Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hey, and welcome back to the show. And later on, we're going to be talking to Ruggy Josen, the Manhattan Community Director for Yelp. Rev, what's going on with you? Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, getting ready for a big July 4th weekend. I know that... Uh, People who are listening to the podcast, this is uh, probably after the fact, but that's uh, that's what's going on in my life. It's uh, for me and, and for Schweiden Sons. It's the biggest week of the year in the burger business. Uh, I like to refer to it as Burger Christmas. So I don't celebrate Christmas, but I do celebrate Burger Christmas. <laughs> so what are you doing for the fourth? Uh, I'm having a Burger Weekly sponsored barbecue that is featuring Schweiden Sons beef. <laughs> Thankfully, you got a hookup on that one. Yeah, it's a it's it's a nice perk in my life, <laughs> knowing knowing Rev Ciancio. Um, yeah, we're just going to have, have a couple dozen people, maybe, maybe not quite that many in the, the my little Greenpoint backyard and grill up some burgers and some sausages and eat, drink, drink, hopefully more beer than we should. What's uh, what's the, what's the Brad from Burger Weekly number one grilling tip? Salt and pepper and nothing else. And that goes on right before it goes on the grill. Really? Just so you, you, it's, it's about the timing of which it hits the, the beef before it goes on? Absolutely. I, I made the mistake a few years ago of I would, I would prepare my beef and I'd, I'd season it and then I'd leave it alone for a while and I, it always ended up drying it out. And I couldn't figure out why that was happening. Uh, also, like a lot of people ask me if I put egg or onion in it and I don't understand why they want me to make them meatballs instead of burgers. <laughs> I, I love meatballs. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's just it's not Fourth of July fair in my, in my backyard. So you know, I'll tell you what my secret for uh, for for summertime, actually anytime grilling is, is I use uh, a grill mat or a camp griddle when I cook on top of a grill, and that way it allows me to have like that flat surface that I can sear the outside of a burger on, like I would like from a restaurant. Uh, but also because it's on the grill, I still get that like smoky flavor from cooking over charcoal or uh, or wood if you're doing it. That's very cool. I do that with indoor grilling. I've got myself a little like flat top for the kitchen. But um, when it comes to outdoor grilling, I, I'm so nostalgic. I need those lines. Do you? Yeah. See, I, I have a flat top for the kitchen. It's called a skillet. Oh, that you put on your stovetop? <laughs> yeah. My, my, mine's standalone. I, I actually honestly probably don't really cook a whole lot of burgers at home. But <laughs> Oh, really? I got, I got some roommates who demand it. Well, you know, that's what happens when you're one of us, right? Yeah, it does. All right. Let's go to our conversation with Reggie Justin and learn about best practices when it comes to Yelp. Today we have a, a special guest here. This is uh, Ruggie Josen. He's the Senior Community Director for Yelp in Manhattan. Uh, his job is to help businesses sort of get the most out of their Yelp experience. Uh, part of what he does there, he also is curating local events intended to you know, spread the positive word of many, uh, many of those businesses um, and definitely part of the uh, culinary landscape here in New York City. Um, Ruggie, what's going on? Rev, hey, uh, nice to talk. You know, it's funny, I've known you for several years now, and I didn't realize what a smooth radio-type voice you have. Th- thank you very much. I, uh, I, and there was actually one of my original dreams. Like, after the childhood, like, oh, I want to be an archaeologist because I like Indiana Jones, and after wanting to be a doctor because my mom said that was the smart thing to do, uh, I went to college, and I wanted to be a radio DJ uh, until I did it, and then I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that. So my career before I worked at Yelp is I, I worked on a morning radio show in San Diego. And I started off as, you know, a kid studying, studying journalism at San Diego State. And I got an internship and 
started off as like, you know, the guy that was wearing a diaper near a car wash, you know, on the side of the street, <laughs> like an assistant producer. Then ultimately I was a co-host of a morning show. So that was my previous life was radio. And you're right. Radio at this point, sadly does suck a lot of, uh, a lot of things. So not quite the industry it used to be, but uh, I think you're on to bigger and better things now. Oh, thank you so much, and, and the same to you. I'll, I'll never forget, and, and we won't get too deep into this, but I was doing a promo with the uh, commercial rock station I worked for, and uh, we were supporting a Quiet Riot show, and this was certainly not at the apex of Quiet Riot's career. It was definitely on the downfall. They were playing, like, some college bar where it was, like, you know, dollar bud specials and, like, 13 bucks to get in. Like, it was a little sad. Uh, but the, the one of the hosts for the radio station was trying to convince, like, girls with the hairspray bear claw to get in the back of the uh, radio station van and give him uh, pleasure. And I was like, I can't be a part of this. <laughs> that guy's probably at, at some used car lot somewhere with a propeller hat on, um, you know, trying to do the same exact thing in 2015. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's funny? I think about, I'm picturing him in my mind now. And back then, his must, uh, he had like a big mustache and it was pretty awkward and creepy. And uh, today he could probably hang out in uh, Williamsburg and it would totally work out. Man, he's the original hipster. <laughs> he was something. So what made you want to go from being a, uh, a radio show host to uh, being a community manager at, at, for Yelp? It was pretty, uh, I guess it was pretty organic the way it worked out. I, so radio, like, again, as I said, it used to be a really cool industry. Then there, this little device called the iPod, basically, it was the beginning of the end for a lot of people in radio. And I uh, sort of was just like, okay, I think maybe switching industries would be a good idea at this point. I was going to stay in media. I had some opportunities to work with some streaming music services uh, that were, you know, fledgling at the time, but now they're pretty much household names. And then uh, I had an opportunity to move to L.A. and work on a, uh, a nighttime talk show as, like, a producer. But then a friend of mine who was working at Yelp in San Francisco had mentioned that uh, they were looking for somebody, because at the time I was in San Diego, that they hey, were looking for somebody that kind of like their personality to kind of get... Yelp started in San Diego, and I didn't really know about Yelp. Then the more I learned, it just uh, seemed like a really cool opportunity. I met the crew in San Francisco at headquarters, and they were just fantastic. I liked the vision, and it seemed like a good, uh, good career move. And at the time, I was making like dollars in radio, so I could have taken a job for like thirty-five thousand dollars and been like, "Man, this is awesome." So, uh, so yeah, so it, was a, it wasn't like too big of a risk. In fact, it was a, a very awesome calculated risk. Seven and a half years later, I'm here in New York. I've been here for a long time and still going strong. So, Reggie, what made you move from uh, from California to New York City? Uh, that's a question that everybody from California asks me all the time. They think I'm an idiot. They think I'm crazy to endure these kind of you know inclement months that happen you know after the summer. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's New York. It's a, it's a place that I growing up in a small town in San Diego. It was always like. Everything you watched on TV had some New York component to it. I mean, the food of New York, the you know, the culture, the music, everything just seemed to stem from New York, and it was just a place that I always envisioned moving to at some point, just to kind of see what it was all about. And uh, I moved. I, I lived in San Francisco before I lived in New York, so I had a spot in between. And San Francisco is fantastic; has a lot of crossover with uh, New York, and uh, in you know, as far as like two of the major like markets that are doing things in the United States, I think that San Francisco and New York are right up there. But yeah, there was a, an opening in Manhattan, and they'd asked me several times to move out here, and it just seemed like a an appropriate time in my life to, to come out and give it a shot. And I have no intentions of leaving anytime soon. Just a fantastic city. 
And when you moved to Manhattan, were you immediately in the same role that you're in now? Uh, I was, so I moved up a little bit. I was uh, just a uh, senior community manager at the time, and now I've got a very lofty title, which is senior community director. Uh, oh, my. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, you guys you guys have a big, pretty big hotshot on the line right now. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, it came with a couple more responsibilities, a lot of which are mostly internal, which goes, I, I go and mentor people that are newer to the team. That's kind of the biggest difference than what I was doing before. But I'm still just... Same, uh, same deal in and out, you know, helping to smart, support local business owners and, uh, you know, get cool users to the site and that sort of thing. For somebody who may not understand, can you explain what a, a community manager or community director means? Yeah, you know, it's, I, I think that if I'm not mistaken, though I'm sure there's been similar roles in, in the past, Yelp was the first company to have something called a community manager. And it was when we were really getting going because at the time, I mean, there were forums like, you know, Reddit and different things like that. But Yelp, the reason it works is because of our community of users. So we have people who, you know, love to contribute content. And when we first decided that we maybe needed somebody that would be called later a community manager in San Francisco, we're like, hey, we have all these, like, really awesome people that are, you know, really spreading the word about amazing local businesses. And they seem to be pretty engaged. Maybe we should like invite them all to a party and meet these people. And so when we got in front of them, we just realized that it was, uh, you know, the unique thing about Yelp, uh, you know, I know I, I referenced Reddit a moment ago, but, you know, Reddit's got this really amazing community. A lot of times they're just behind these computer screens. They don't ever, like, interact in real life. But with Yelp, I mean, the reason it works is because people are going out and they're experiencing their cities, they're spending money at local businesses, and then reviewing their experiences. So it made sense that there's these highly social people that, Hey, if we bring them offline, maybe you know, it'll uh, they get to meet each other and they'll form bonds and it'll make Yelp an even better experience. And sure enough, you know that first test that we did in San Francisco, then our second market was Boston, and this is like back in 2005. And you know, lo and behold, after you know all these years, I think we're in 30 plus markets across the world, and there's a community manager, and you know, I think we have 150 community managers worldwide that are. Touching their, you know, their constituents of sorts on a daily basis. Very cool. And when you got started bringing Yelpers out from behind the computer screen into real life, how did you first reach out to them? Uh, you know, a lot of it was pretty organic because you know they were already like on the site. So we have, you know, in addition to you know leaving reviews and uh, you know people uploading photos. I mean, you can engage obviously uh, whether you're a business owner or a user. You can engage with people who are you know, uploading content. There's also a talk forum that's there. That was an easy way to kind of get in touch with people. But we also have this uh, Yelp Elite Squad. So our Yelp Elite Squad are comprised of the most active users on the site. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of events at local businesses where we'll introduce elite members to business owners and, you know, uh, new experiences in the city. So once somebody becomes like an elite member, uh, you know, I have access to them via email. So between, you know, just being on site using our talk threads and our forums, just using the, the tools in place to complement and private message users, and then also just emailing folks. That was kind of how I would rally the first set of troops into the, the, the wacky world of in real life. <laughs> so I, th I think that's a good segue. Do you want to explain what a, what a Yelp Elite is and how, and how somebody can become one? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of just our way of recognizing really stellar users of the site. You know, we have, we're fortunate to have people who contribute content a lot. I, mean, I, I don't know the latest figures, but, you know, we have people who love to share their reviews and their photos, you know, and whatever, and even, you know, outside of New York, obviously, around the world. 
And so there's people who just sort of rise above, and they're the people who are contributing uh, quality content on a really regular basis. And so we have an elite council that is in uh, headquarters in San Francisco, and it sounds like they, this council sits in like a smoky, dark room looking at users and identifying who they think would be a good fit. But yeah, so once we identify somebody as a really, you know, constantly quality co uh, contributor, whether it's somebody with 50 reviews or 300 reviews, there's no, you know, there's no like magic pop-up that happens once you've written your 50th review or something that you all of a sudden become a lead because we always put weight on quality and not quantity. So if somebody had 200 reviews where they were short and inflammatory and we just didn't think they were up to our elite standards. Like they wouldn't be elite uh, if our elite council didn't think they kind of passed our our sniff test. So to each is you know each case is different, but generally speaking, it's the people who are what we can what we in, you know envision embody the spirit of Yelp uh, the most. Cool. And how many elite members do you, would you estimate there are right now? It's a good question. I don't know because I know that it changes a lot uh, because you know from year to year, and some people move and drop off. So it's a question. I, I don't have the the a firm number. Um, I'm sure somebody does, but I don't have a, an exact number. There's but there's there's a bunch of great people in New York, specifically Manhattan. So l let's talk about in interactions with uh, elite. I know when I was running my bar and, and you know how I met you is we did a lot of uh, a lot of events where we hosted the Yelp Elite. How do how do things like that work? If a if a restaurant owner wanted to get involved with their local community manor and, and uh, do something with the elite, how would that work, or what would be the best practice for doing that? Yeah, well, so it's uh, yeah, we had a great time at Idle Hands back in the day. That was that was good stuff. Um, and so I, my advice would be, if somebody wants to get in touch with their local community ma community manager, it's usually whatever the city's like. It's ny at yelp.com if you wanted to get in touch with me. And then most cities, like, it'd be Boston at Yelp.com, or it would be uh, Hartford at Yelp.com if you're in Connecticut. That's uh, one of the, you know, whatever your city is, just, or if there's a nickname, I know that Portland, Oregon is, like, PDX at Yelp.com. Um, but, you know, you know, word of mouth amongst business owners is also a good way. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, there's several times where I'll done a, an event with, you know, a local business owner, then they tell their friends, their friends email me, that kind of thing. But, yeah, as far as getting in touch with your community manager, that's the best way. And would you would you recommend that hosting Yelp Elite events is something good for you know restaurant owners to do restaurant bar owners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the people that are on Yelp are exactly the prime demographic for any bar or restaurant. Be meaning which meaning that you know Yelpers intrinsically are out spending money in the city. I mean, you can't go write hundreds of reviews of cocktail bars or burger places or various other restaurants without having an expendable income. So that right there is a pretty, you know, valuable customer potentially. And a lot of the sort of genetic makeup of a Yelper is somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 to 38, I would say, even though like anybody can Yelp. We have people who are younger. We have folks who are retired who also enjoy Yelping. But when you kind of think about like someone's adult lifespan after they've graduated from school and they have a little bit of cash, they go out and spend more money in the city. Then maybe they get married and wind down when they're in their late thirties, early forties, buy a house and just, you know, <laughs> go to the same four restaurants all the time. So, but that's a pretty, you know, valuable going out uh, demographic. And, uh, you know, if I'm a bar owner, I would want to, you know, really target people who not only are going to come in and spend money, but also broadcast it because Yelpers are not only, you know, you know, relaying their experiences to Yelp, but they're also pretty active on other social media channels as well. So 
it's just a really good. Uh, I I just I think the word influencer is way overused at this point, so I try to avoid saying it. But you know, they are influential folks. So if if I'm a bar owner, a restaurant owner, and I hold a and I host an event for the Yelp Elite, what should I expect, or what kind of expectations can I have on what happens with my Yelp profile after that event? Yeah, so we uh, one thing to, to make certain is that it's not something where it's like a big review grab afterwards. This is just, you know, with the, the cool thing about Yelp is that it's really just sort of harkening back to a, a, normal, a normal culture before the wonders of like artificial intelligence and algorithms and that sort of thing. Obviously, Yelp does have those in place, but it's really like the main takeaway is, you know, if we do an event the you know the owner is there and like shaking hands and really getting to like form an actual bond um, and really like wow these folks and give them a reason to want to come back because it's never when we do an event it's not like people are a hundred people are enjoying like a full on Thanksgiving feast or anything it's like hey you know come in try a couple small bites and we encourage you to come back in the future we um, we often see so when we do a Yelp Elite event um, people will actually review the event itself and not the business profile page. And one of the main reasons we do that, because way back when I started, we, we did used to be like, yeah, just go ahead and review the, uh, the restaurant's business page. And what we found is that after feedback from business owners, uh, other readers to the site would be like, hmm, this is funny. Yesterday I was reading a review of your business, and they had 20 reviews and like three and a half stars. And then all of a sudden in one day, 75 Yelp Elite members all left five-star reviews. It just looks a little bit fishy. Uh, and so we we heard from business owners that you know people thought they did something kind of disingenuous to garner that many reviews in a very short period of time. So we recognize that's like, hey, these reviews are meant to be like you know a nice snapshot of to you know of the event that happened. And then a lot of times what happen are if people have a good time, they'll come back to the business, experience it outside of an event, have an equally great time, and then they'll review the business from an actual more accurate consumer experience. I've noticed uh, I've noticed myself that the Yelp elite seem to uh, travel in packs, and that even when it's not a Yelp elite event or a Yelp sponsored event, that they might meet up on their own or put together their own meetups or just hang out together. Do you, do you, does that seem to be across uh, across all all boards, or is that just something I saw? Yeah, no, it's, it's great, and we actually love when that happens because you know we obviously organize a lot of events that you know I'll throw and various other community managers will throw. Uh, but it's great when the community sort of does it on their own because. You know, they form bonds. They obviously have something in common that they all like to go out and experience the city. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are eating and drinking. It's, it's you know, part of, you know, culture and society. So when people get together, they're like, hey, this, you know, there's a great dollar oyster happy hour that happens uh, all night long on Monday at Mermaid Inn. So let's get a group of people and we'll all go have fun, eat oysters, drink wine, that kind of thing. And you know, we, we love seeing the community kind of take off on its own. Very right, cool. So scaling back a little bit for users that aren't necessarily Yelp Elite, but we see we hear a lot about Yelp users leaving bad reviews and then business owners reacting very poorly, sometimes too publicly to that, and it becomes a snowball, terrible PR situation. How should a business owner react to a negative Yelp review? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. There's a variety of ways. I uh, There's actually a book. It's called Everyone's a Critic, and I think the... Um, I think the author is named Bill Tater. I could be I could be wrong with the, his last name, but he wrote a really great book that I encourage all business owners to pick up because he studied the effects of. He has a lot of you know uh, knowledge about Yelp and other kind of review websites and the power of um, reaching out to online critics. So 
you want to have a little homework assignment, I would definitely read that. You can pick it up on Amazon. But what I would say is, uh, you know, what I, I tell business, I mean, part of my job on a daily basis is coaching business owners on the best practices. Um, there's a lot of people who prefer not to even respond at all, which I think is uh, a missed opportunity to address a negative situation and turn it into a positive one, or just to connect to a local, you know, someone who's a customer of theirs who had a, either a great experience or a poor experience. Um, I would say on the uh, poor experience side of things, I definitely do not encourage people to become combative. Uh, don't make it sound like you wrote some fluffy copy and paste sort of PR apology because people immediately read through that as disingenuous. It's awful. Yeah, I mean, there I, I can't tell you how many people I see that have the same, because I mean, with Yelp you can reply either in a public message or a private message. So people who are reading through the reviews of your business and they see the same, you know, copy and paste, we're sorry you had a bad time, we hope we can make it up to you kind of thing. I would really, like, be real. I mean, just, I always tell people, if somebody were having a conversation about your business and you were in line at a local coffee shop, chances are you'd probably address them in a normal human way <laughs> and not, like, give them some talking head sort of answer. You'd probably have engage and maybe win that person over. So just, you know, keep it, you know, keep it real and, you know, address people the way that you think you would like to be addressed in that situation and avoid name-calling and, you know, starting a flame war, which I've definitely seen. There's, uh, it wasn't a, a restaurant. I think it was a roofer. And uh, he he written back on this public, you know, like in a public message to a bad review and had had several swear words, said he was going to come back over and kick his ass. Oh my God. Uh, and, I mean, it got picked up by every, you know, by the gawkers and the buzzfeeds of the world because it was funny. But definitely I don't think people are going to be running to this roofer anytime soon. So don't do that. Yeah, so, he's so, going to be running at them. So we shouldn't, uh, as a business owner, we shouldn't go and comment on their lack of karaoke skills if they've uh, negged us on Yelp review. I mean, it's it. I wouldn't recommend it. I've seen <laughs> I've seen people that have made it kind of funny. Um, uh, there's a there's a restaurant and bar in the Lower East Side on Allen and Houston, or in, uh, sorry, Allen and uh, Delancey, and the business owner there he's he's pretty funny. Like I actually get a giggle out of the stuff he says. I think that he just, like, that's his way of dealing with uh, negative reviews. It's sort of like laughing it off and, you know, taking oh, – I wouldn't say the – he's not so lowbrow, but it's really, it's really funny the way he deals with it. And I think just for him it calms him down. But I, uh, I don't know. I would take the high road. You know, obviously, being in a customer service world, you're never going to please everybody. But if there's a way to win somebody back. I highly encourage that. Would you suggest when replying to a negative review that the business owner do it privately or publicly? You know, I've heard from uh, several different people that they prefer to do it in a private message, but I would say it is really valuable if there's wrong information uh, for the public to see it. So if for some reason uh, somebody says, I'll use the mermaid in the example again because I, I just love dollar oysters. If for some reason they said, like, we came in on Monday and they weren't and they didn't have their dollar oyster promotion, so I left, you know, or whatever the case is, that'd be a perfect example to say, like, actually, we do uh, every single Monday. It's all night long, and the rest of the week it's from 5 until 8 p.m. So something like that would be great to, like, clear up a, an erroneous fact that could pop up in a review. But if somebody just has a bad time, I would say a private message is a good way to connect because uh, I think people really like to... Uh, they like the acknowledgement, like, hey, uh, this guy cares enough or this girl, you know, 
whoever the representative of the local business is cares enough to respond to my review, it's pretty powerful. And I've actually seen many instances where somebody will update their review to a better one because they're like, hey, I had a bad time and the, the owner or the GM was, uh, you know, they took my they took my review to heart. They reached out. They were really cool about it. Uh, welcome me back anytime. And I think that's the show's good character. So it's uh, it, it works really well in order, you know, in a way of like turning people around. Well, then speaking of positive reviews, what's a way that a business can leverage positive reviews uh, from Yelp into real business? Well, you know, I, I always like to say that, you know, positive reviews or negative reviews or just whatever the review landscape is showing is just, it really is, um, uh, a nice representation of what's happening on like the basal level of the business, right? So I don't, in my opinion, even though you'll find articles out there like hater Yelp articles about like Yelp ruined my business and these sort of things, and I don't think it's actually possible for Yelp to ruin anybody's business. I feel like if you're so consumed with Yelp reviews, like especially negative ones, and you're like a not so well-rated business, there's probably something bigger happening behind the scenes, and you should probably focus more on getting your service issues or your back-end issues short up before you, like, spend all your time with, in a flame war with Yelpers or trying to sue them and those sorts of things. Um, I think as long as, like, you just... And there's plenty of places that, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the, the spotted pig doesn't need amazing Yelp reviews for people to go. They're going to just continue to, you know, they're going to continue to, like, be flocked every single night. Um, so I think as long as you've got everything short up on the, you know, on your end, then the great reviews are going to follow. Uh, so I think it's sort of just like a natural, you know, a natural flow. Just if you're running a great business, it's going to be well represented on Yelp, and organically over time, you're just going to accrue great reviews. Um, you know, whether it's you're new and you've got like you're off to a good start with 50, or you're something like, uh, you know, Chelsea Market, which has thousands and thousands of reviews. Yeah, I think that that Yelp really has just given people a a medium to speak their minds, and that a customer service issue could have existed with or without the ability to speak about it on Yelp. And when a restaurant or bar owner sees a negative review on their page, it's probably, like you said, indicative of something that's really happening internally, and now somebody has the ability to, to talk about it. Um, I did read there was a Harvard Business School study that was published a couple years ago that found that each star in a Yelp rating affected the business owner's sales by 5 to 9%. Um, have you seen that to be the case? I think is uh, you know just normal user behavior. If I see, uh, I'll, this isn't going to be a this is not a restaurant example, but there's a um, a brokerage in New York that I use when I've moved. I've moved so many times in New York for some reason, and I mean most of the time, uh, brokers are scummy and they are like the worst people you could ever engage with, and you just know they're going to rip you off, and you know they're just going to open a door and you're going to have to give them two thousand uh, dollars. But there's this. Uh, brokerage company called Cooper and Cooper, and they have five stars and like 105 reviews because everybody loves this brokerage. And it's like, wow. Obviously, I'm gonna like act on that because there's no way that any broker has ever been five star caliber in my opinion. They've all just been, you know, what I consider probably like ex inmates or something, ex cons. <laughs> but uh, but you know, obviously, like if you are searching for a great meal and you see something that's rated two and a half stars, you might be a little bit wary. If you see something that's like three to three and a half, of course, you'll probably stray towards that direction. But that said, some of my favorite businesses are are not, you know, the highest rated places on Yelp. And so, I mean, it does obviously make a difference if someone's brand new and they're searching around and browsing. But uh, what I would recommend not doing is anything 
weird or disingenuous to try to up your rating. Just, you know, keep doing great things and seeing areas that you can improve. And over time, a three and a half star will, you know, can become a four star restaurant or a four star bar. And uh, yeah, so uh, I guess that's my answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of rambling there. I apologize. I kind no, of got lost. Awesome I'm actually I'm looking at the Yelp uh, page for Black Iron Burger, which is my favorite burger joint in the city. And I know that like a month ago it had three stars, and now it's got four. So good business and good food just won out on that one. Absolutely. So I mean, I can make. When I was living in San Francisco, there was a grilled cheese place called the Great American Grilled Cheese Kitchen, and so the, the beauty of Yelp is that there's, before, you know, uh, there, there have been other forums. I mean, there was, you know, City Search before we came along, and there's, there's always been ways of, like, capturing reviews, but I think we do a nice job of really kind of capturing real data that at one point in history would have been really hard to attain. I mean, there was those placards that people would fill out and then, like, the feedback sort of mechanisms. But so if you don't take yourself, like, you know, if, if you're able to, like, take criticism a little bit and you can see, like, something that is, um, if you see like a recurring theme in that, you know, like maybe the towels are out every night at 8 o'clock and people can't dry their hands. But with this American Grilled Cheese example, you know, they were probably pretty frustrated by getting uh, numerous bad reviews, but something that popped up was, because it's a big lunch rush place, people said, I wish they had a, a second cash register because I'm like rushing, you know, in between my, you know, my one hour work window or lunch window to get back to the office and there's, we get our grilled cheese and there's one cash register and one person working the register and there's this long queue and I always come back late. So they use that data because it, you know, it was popping up time and time again like, oh, another person is commenting about this cash register. So they got a second and even third cash register and all their reviews started to improve. So they went from, I think, somewhere in like the three range to, I don't know, I haven't checked it lately, but it, was, it wasn't doing so hot when it was first on the scene, but now they're, they're killing it and they're making great grilled cheeses. People are getting in and out, so... You know, being able to take the, the constructive criticism and not get pissed off and fly off the handle and be like, okay, maybe we can, like, ensure that the soap doesn't run out in the bar at 9 p.m. at night kind of thing. I would agree, Reggie, and I think that's a great point you just made. We, we talk about that here all the time is, you know, platforms like Yelp or, or Twitter or Foursquare, any of these, they, they really can be best used practice as a listening tool for, you know, not just restaurant owners, but any business owners to get, you know, like you said, real-time information. And, and I think the filter that, you know, most restaurant owners or bar owners don't put on when they look at it is, you know, being objective and saying, okay, was this an isolated incident? You know, did I have an employee that was having a bad day? Or is this representative of how my business is run? And do I need to make that improvement? Would you agree that's like sort of the right way to look at these? Absolutely. Uh, one of my one of my buddies, he is one of the co-founders of Colexico. I'm sure you guys have been to uh, Colexico. They're uh, lived down the Great street. tacos. Yeah, that uh, I think it's, is it called crack sauce that they use that you can dump those like, uh, you know, those delicious sweets that quesadillas into. Uh, so Dave over there, he he loves using Yelp as a way to identify trends. And he, you know, has uh, spoken in front of business owners at panels that we've, um, we've curated. And he's basically said, you know, the same thing. Like, hey, we have noticed that uh, there's a specific server, for instance, that keeps coming up in uh, the review uh, data that comes through. And so, like, okay, maybe if it's an isolated incident, that's cool. But it's been, you know, four times they've seen reviews come in and they've, you know, referenced the same exact server, um, whether it's by name or just, like, you know, if they're, uh, you know, describing their, their, you know, their qualities or whatever. And so they'll use that as a way to be like, hey, look, they'll pull them aside, kind of, uh, you know, ask them what's going on and then try to turn that around. So 
definitely, you know, if you listen, you can. There's a lot of value that you can get out of these uh, these different platforms. So, hey, with, with that, what would you say are like the top three like most common mistakes that uh, business owners make when using Yelp? I'd say the number one is just like pretending it doesn't exist and just turning, you know, turning their back to it completely and trying to use other uh, platforms to communicate. Uh, reason being is like. You know, I made that example earlier of the fact that I don't think anybody, if you were at a, if you were in a, like a social environment and you heard somebody trash talking your business, like chances are you're going to go up and talk to that person. And so there's no different, there's no difference on Yelp. I mean, it's just like, it's sort of like word of mouth amplified and it's a conversation that, that's happening with way more ears than, you know, or perhaps like the backyard 4th of July party that you guys are attending. Um, so like definitely pay attention to it. It's powerful. You can actually, you know, use it as a great tool to attain new customers. Um, you know, there's plenty of other platforms that you can use to grow your business as well. I think the unique thing about Yelp uh, is that th it's a good way to attract new customers. If you're using something like Facebook, which is just fine, you know, those are people who are already a fan of what you do. They've already, like, opted in to get updates from you. But with Yelp, there's random passers-by that are like, oh, I'm looking for this specific thing, and I happen to be two blocks away from it. So uh, first mistake is just not paying attention to it at all. Um, second mistake is not taking advantage of, we have a bunch of free business owner tools that anybody can use, so you just go to biz.yelp.com, and if you haven't claimed your business page, it's free, you have uh, access to a really cool dashboard so you can see how many people are coming to your site, mapping directions, calling you, that sort of thing, because I can't tell you how many times hours are incorrect, or there's like really crappy photos of food, and you know, these days people make decisions solely based on, you know, pictures, and I mean, there are restaurants that, you know, curate a menu of just very Instagrammable things, you know, so if you have a bunch of crappy food photos, like when you're, when you've claimed your page, you can upload professional photos uh, and make sure that all of your business information is, you know, is on point. You've got your website, you've got your correct hours and that sort of thing. So that's definitely something. And then um, let's say the third thing would be uh, just not taking those opportunities to engage. Uh, people are having a conversation, like jump in there and get wet with them, you know, and Make sure that you know you are uh, identified. I would, res if I were a business owner, I would respond to pretty much every single review, whether it was bad or good. Because if somebody says something really over the top, amazing about it, even if I just said like high five, man, can't wait to see it in the future. I mean, it goes a long way to like building a really like quality rapport with uh, your customers. And if there's potential customers that are seeing that you seem like a really cool guy, and you know you you seem like a you know you care about what customers think, then it goes a long way to attain new new customers as well. Well, if I could, uh, if I could add to your your list of tips there as a uh, a restaurant bar owner myself, uh, you know, I, I tried this once and it worked, and then we started doing it every night. But we uh, at Idle Hands, we actually used to ask customers directly. We would ask customers, "Hey, if you've had a great time tonight, would you give us a five star Yelp review, please?" And if you don't feel like you've had a five star type of night, tell us now, and we'll make it a five star uh, experience while you are here. And I noticed an immediate change in the types of reviews we were getting on our, on our Yelp page. And people actually thanked us for being really, really earnest with them. And it gave them a channel to speak to us in person and identify those issues in real time while we were there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there, there's, a lot to be, there's a lot at stake to have a, a really great reputation on Yelp. Uh, I think that your approach is a lot better than some approaches that we see that uh, don't, you know, we always tell business owners, like, leave breadcrumbs, you know, not, you know, don't be like, hey, I will comp your entire meal if you write a five-star review of my business. 
because a um, you know you you might be giving away a lot of comp meals and and b a lot of times those reviews come across as uh, inauthentic you know you can almost like tell there's something kind of there's something kind of brewing beneath the surface that doesn't smell quite right so I think the way that you you approached it was a was a much better strategy than trying to monetarily give somebody something for in exchange for a, a great review so. Yeah, I think that was a well done, well done way of doing things. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's uh, let, let's take this to a wrap. Uh, I'd love. Is there any like silly Yelp story or like fun Yelp Elite uh, event that you'd love to share with people where something really fun happened that really like got you excited to be a part of Yelp? Uh, let's see. Um, well, something that I I really love is that Jerry Seinfeld is a Yelper, and so you can actually friend him right now on Yelp if you just type in Jerry S. and he reviews all of the places that he goes to in uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I think that's the full name of the, the series that he does online. Um, but when I learned that, uh, so I was connected to the show and I was connected to his publicist. And I was like, oh, this is like a fun like PR thing you're doing. I, it may blend the, blur the lines because you're supposed to be an actual person. They're like, no, Jerry is actually writing these reviews. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, and I just love the fact that I could follow along Jerry Seinfeld. So that's pretty cool. So if anyone out there is listening and they have a Yelp account and they want to friend Jerry Seinfeld, I mean, that's you're that much closer to being his best friend by taking this first step. <laughs> has, awesome. Jerry, has Jerry published any really negative reviews? Or I, I mean, I guess we could look, but for the sake of storytelling? No, I mean, he's generally pretty positive. He does have some pretty funny anecdotes, though, as you can imagine, but I haven't seen him go off the rails yet, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see who the, the culprit of really pissing off Jerry is. Right on. Well, uh, as Rev and I are huge burger guys, we generally like to ask all of our guests a few questions about hamburgers before we say goodbye. So, Ruggie, can you tell us, uh, what was your favorite burger from childhood? My favorite burger from childhood? Okay, so it wouldn't make any sense to anybody that, uh, you know, because it's not like a big burger chain by any stretch of the imagination, but I grew up in a really small town called Fallbrook, California, which happens to be the avocado capital of the world. Mm. And Every single day, I had an avocado in some sort, whether it was guacamole or it was literally just like cutting it in half and taking out the pit and putting some hot sauce and pepper on and just eating it with a spoon. Every day had something to do with avocados. But out near a really dense avocado field was this trucker stop, and there was a place called Nessie's Burgers that is actually still there. And it's off of Highway 76, and it was literally just a spot where really tired drivers of 18-wheelers would stop and get this massive hamburger with, uh, you know, tons of fixings, whether it was, like, bacon or avocado and that sort of thing. And I just remember that was my favorite burger as a kid. Um, I, I was never really fond of, like, the Big Macs or anything like that, even though they did a lot to entice, you know, kids to want to eat their burgers. But for me, it was this place, Nessie Burgers. And I've actually never looked it up. I wonder what their Yelp rating is. I'll have to check that out. What was the, uh, what was the very last burger you ate? <sighs> You guys are going to be really mad at me, especially Rebs. I know we've had this conversation before. but uh, So I live really close to the most hyped vegetarian burger in the history of vegetarian burgers, Superiority Burger. And so I had to pop over there and see what it was all about. And for a veggie burger, it was fine. You know, I do – I think that there – it probably is the best veggie burger in all of New York City, but you can eat meat burgers. I mean, I don't understand why you would – do that, I understand there's dietary restrictions and that sort of thing. But I will say my last actual meat burger was, uh, I, I just love, I, I love Shake Shack. And so I was, I worked in our Yelp offices at 24th and Madison. It was raining and there was nobody in line at Shake Shack. And when that happens, I rush to the front of the line. 
and I um, I got their their park burger, which comes with this like I think it's like a bechamel melted cheese that they put on top, and it's a limited time engagement. So got that. There's just something about their Martin's potato roll they use that is just the most fantastic bun in the history of of breaded wonders. So that was the last meat based burger. By the way. Only in New York City can we have a fast casual chain that has a burger with a bechamel sauce. I so fully buy into all of Shake Shack's promotions. I'm like dying to go get that right now. Oh, it's it's delicious. It, I I highly recommend you do that. That place, Superiority Burger, I have gotten more emails about in the last couple of days than I think anything in the last year. Yeah, I mean it's so it, I don't know if you know the history of the burger, but it stopped. It started as a, uh, a it's a pop up, up right? Yeah, it was a pop up, and you know the chef was from Del Posto, so he has a lot of. You know, he's got a lot of clout from being the chef there. And so, yeah, it kind of like being that I live just a handful of blocks away, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And so they, uh, they, there was no, like, six-month buildup on a PR, you know, agenda or anything like that. It just was like, hey, we're open, and, uh, and there's lines out the door. All right, so our, our, our closing question here for you, Ruggie, is a, uh, what we like to call a food marketing pro. What is the one piece of advice you would give to someone in the food marketing business? Uh, I would say my bit of advice would be to listen and to be real um, because there's a lot of, you know, when we were, before we got on, on, the, on the call, that I got some, like, spammy marketing thing, and it, they addressed it to a person who used to have my job, like, seven years ago, and they claimed that they had dropped off a gift bag at my office when they don't even know who the hell they're, they're emailing. I was like, okay, this is obviously spammy. It was, it was like, a, a really poor attempt, and not, I don't even know what they're selling, but I hate them. So if you're, if you're just like being authentic and you're taking, you know, what we kind of talk about and listening to this wealth of information that's available to you and, you know, it's one of the best times in history where you can have like this global conversation. So if you're listening and you're authentic and you are actually being real and you're, you know, communicating with customers in the way that you would uh, expect to be communicated with in any real life interaction, those are two, those are the most important things. I see people that, you know, just use their Twitter handle to like just blast out happy hour specials and they never engage with their, you know, with the people that are responding to them or the people that are following them. It's just like this one-sided mouthpiece where they're just like shouting into the abyss and hoping that people catch on. But if you use, you know, opportunities like people uploading and tagging you on Instagram or, you know, uploading photos to your Yelp page, like be real, be authentic, have a real conversation and that's the, the best way of, uh, you know, one by one word of mouth marketing and, and just, you know, being an authentic person. Awesome. I love that answer. I definitely love that answer. Ruggie, thank you for, uh, for joining us today on the show. Uh, where can people find out more about you? All right. Me personally, so uh, you can, uh, on Twitter, I'm Ruggie NYC. I'm also Ruggie NYC on Instagram. Um, and then it's Yelp NYC on Twitter, Yelp NYC on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email me anytime you want. If you have questions, it's uh, either my name, Ruggie, or you can email ny at yelp.com. They both go to me. And, uh, I don't know, maybe you can see me at like uh, various dive bars around the East Village because I, I am fond of the the sticky floor type uh, watering holes. Do you accept uh, Do you accept Yelp friend requests? Uh, I do. You know, the, the the problem though is that much like how when you hit a friend a friend limit on Facebook, it uh, you can't friend somebody once they hit five thousand. Uh, I'm nearing five thousand friends on Yelp. So if you want to be my friend, you better act now because. <laughs> I'm going to hit that 5,000 mark. I've hit it several times, and I always have to make adjustments and figure out, like, you know, who I can maybe let go of to allow more people to come in. But, yep, if you just, like, look up Ruggy J on Yelp, I'm the only one. I think I think I can hear Brad back in the background Googling your name. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Ruggie, thanks so much. I think you've given us uh, some great insights today. We really appreciate your time. Cool, and I'm definitely going to eat a hamburger tomorrow or on 4th of July as opposed to a hot dog just for you two. <laughs> well, oh, that's funny. You know, what, you know what I'm doing for 4th of July? What are you doing? I'm sure uh, grilling, grilling great, delicious things. <laughs> I am actually judging the hot dog eating contest at Nathan's Famous. What, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. I actually went to the Nathan's Famous hot dog eating uh, competition two years ago, and I had a great time. And um, what is his name? I think his name is Booker. Uh, Eric, or no, it's Eric, Eric Badlands Booker, and he's like a giant man, and he never even comes close to winning, but uh, he's, I, I learned he's a subway conductor on the 7 train when he's not smashing 25 hot dogs in 10 minutes on the 4th of July. So root, so root for Badlands, and then maybe eat, you know, you should bring a hamburger while you're judging. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Tim Eater X, Tim Janis, he's my boy. Uh, but I, uh, I I will root for whoever they put me in charge of. <laughs> Word. Well, have fun, guys. Uh, and you know, hopefully, I'll see you guys around. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, thanks Raggy. All right, later. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com/podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.